Thank you, Eric. That gave me enough time to get a breath and gather my thoughts. <laughs> In 1942, there was a book published by a fella called C.S. Lewis. Anyone know what book that was? No, it's The Screwtape Letters. Has anyone read The Screwtape Letters? Yeah, great book. If you've read it, see it, uh, read it. If you haven't, there's actually a theatre play now. It's really good, I've seen it, watch it. But anyway, 1942, C.S. Lewis wrote this book And in it, it has a line, right? It has this line. Thousands of humans have brought to think that humility means pretty women trying to believe that they are ugly and thousands of men trying to believe that they are fools. Isn't that insightful? I'll just read it to you again because it's a long one. Thousands of humans have been brought to think that humility means pretty women have trying to believe that they are ugly and thousands of men trying to believe that they are fools. Let's just pray before we get in the sermon. Thank you, Lord God, uh, for your uh, display of humility that we actually come to now to, to look at and we pray that as we talk about this, that it may actually reflect in our lives that we may learn from some of the things that might be said and that we take it into what we're doing in our present. Amen. So, if you haven't guessed, I'm talking on humility this morning, which when Simon says, Caleb, you're doing this week, I thought that's great, uh, because i got a huge humility. Yeah. But let's come back to that quote, what C.S. Lewis said, when I was reading it, like a lot of his stuff that he writes, C.S. Lewis, your mind blows at reading his stuff. It's awesome. But for whatever reason, so so many Christians believe that in order for us to be humble, it means that we must deny what we are capable of actually doing. For example, when I play the piano, and some of you have heard some of my classical pieces, and you come up and say, wow, thank you, Caleb, that was fantastic. My result and my humble thing that I resort to is, oh, it wasn't that much. I made so many mistakes, it wasn't that good. Instead of saying thank you for actually giving me the compliment. Another example, right? You've hosted a dinner party. I love a good dinner party. And I always make sure and say to the host, thank you for the effort that you put in for making dinner. It was delicious. But what the dinner host then end up saying is, oh, it was nothing. Anyone can whip it together. I laugh because people, you've done it, right? The problem with this is when we deny what we've actually done is we're denying the power of God in our lives, right? Because as Christians, what we believe is every act that we have, every act that we do is driven by the power of God. Yeah? Yeah? And so if we're to say when someone gives thanks for something that we've done, what we're actually doing is denying the work and power of God that he's done through us. How can God do good deeds if we're not receiving the thanks? Because you haven't said that it's good. What you're doing is you're littling the act. So up front, what I want to say about humility this morning, the one thing, you know how Caleb's catchy catchphrases... This is what we get when I preach. This is it. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, 
but it's thinking of yourself less. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a tricky wordplay. Let's just take that for a second. Sit on that. True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. And this makes sense, right? Because when you think of the opposite of humility, you get pride. And what's pride do? It puts I in the middle of it. See what I did there? P-R-I-D-E, it's in the middle. Pride. Ha. I thought that was pretty clever. <laughs> True humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. So let's just come back then to what we're reading in Micah. And we've been doing this for three weeks. All of them are online, cheeky advertisement. Watch them, they're really good if you've missed them. Uh, But Micah 6 verse 6, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. We've done that verse 8 in each of the three weeks. So what I want to do right now, let's say it together. Can we do that? Let's see how synchronized we can be, right? Let's say verse eight, at verse 8 together. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Notice, notice, we have it's not, uh, notice what it says here. It says, require of you, right? And uh, the definition that I came to for require is that it's an expected necessity, ability or trait so that you can carry out an action or responsibility, right? For example, when I replied here uh, for the job as worship pastor at New Beginnings, There were requirements, right? How am I going to lead worship if I can't sing or play the piano or the guitar, right? So one of the requirements was actually that I had to have those abilities. I mean, otherwise Simon would be the one-man team. He's got everything else. (laughs) (laughs) But that was one of the requirements, right? A requirement is a non-negotiable. That means we all have the capacity to be able to do this, right? God wouldn't set it upon us if we didn't have the ability to do this. Doesn't matter what age, what time of life, what you're going through, what's happening, this is something the Lord requires of us. Now that might mean that in some circumstances it's going to be a lot harder to act justly or it might be a lot harder to have mercy or maybe it's going to be really hard to be humble when you've just been given an accolade. But that doesn't mean that you can't be humble in that time. Now, this was written to the Israelites, remember? Remember how we're talking, we're in the Old Testament, so this is written to a specific time and place. 
And this part of this is that, and Simon talked about this last week, they're living under a different covenant, right? We talked about covenant. Who remembers that we talked about covenants? Yeah, yeah, those that were here, it's good. We talked about covenants, right? And part of the covenants was that these guys had to live up to their end of the bargain. Because what God did, the all-powerful God, was he came down to their level to be able to actually have relationship, Right? And so he said, I'm going to do this, but you have to do this. And that's why there's a heap of rules in the Old Testament. If you're ever going through it and you think, why is there all these rules? That's why. They had to uphold their end of the bargain. Right? That's a very short one. I don't want to delve too much into that. Simon done a great job covering that last week. But the problem is they broke these requirements. They broke these requirements and God's saying you must have to change your ways. We live in a new covenant, right? It's called the new covenant, so I manage that, which means that by grace and mercy we were saved by Jesus. But just because this new covenant is there doesn't mean these three things don't transfer into our lives now. See, this is why it's so important that we keep the Old Testament. Because what it does is it actually means that we need to have these necessities, these requirements, because they're a reflection of God in us for the rest of the world so that we can show the rest of the world God, right? That's why it's been, we've been sitting on it for so long because we've, it's so important because we are God in this world, God's in us, so we have to show God in that way. This is what the Lord requires of you. In all circumstances, that is. Walk with God. To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Walk with God. I just want to take a moment right there because this is an important question. What is God in your life at the moment? So this question isn't even out of context, right? Because the reason why these guys, the Israelites, had to have it is because they'd taken on all the gods from the land. And what happened was, because they took on those gods, they lost sight of the real God, capital G. Right? And because they lost track of their God, they had to have this message delivered to them. So before you can walk humbly with, your, with God, capital G, you have to first be able to say, am I walking with God? Yeah? You know, sometimes we think, oh, well, we don't have any idols in the house or anything, but the things come up. Maybe it's uh, time is your idol. Do I have enough time? Do I have enough time? Do I have enough time? Maybe it's, uh, it's something like family. Is family always the idol? Is family, am I doing enough for family? Am I doing family? And it takes over from God. Maybe even it's politics. Personally, I am the least furthest away from that. But maybe it's politics, right? Am I so caught up in what the Liberal Party's doing now that I actually let that replace God? Or maybe it's success. 
Maybe you're striving to succeed in life, maybe not, maybe you've gotten there. But is that taken the point of God in your life? We're not so different to the people of Israel, are we? Back at the time. So the question is, what is God in your life? And right now, if, there, if it isn't God, there's an opportunity, right, to say, God, I'm sorry. Right? And all you have to do is say that. And in your repentance, Jesus forgives you. You know, repentance and saying sorry is actually the first step to being humble. It's actually denying what you've done, knowing that you weren't necessarily the one that could do it. And it's actually bringing yourself to the level that you need to be at. It's being modest and it's lowering your view of your own importance. The thing that we know but we should keep coming back to is that you and me, we are both weak, right, in this life. No one's stronger than anyone else. No one's better than anyone else. The only one to have a life on this world that was better than anyone else ended up dying for everyone else. And because we're all weak and unable to do this, we need to move, be ever moving towards a place that's able to sustain us in that life, in this life. And presenting ourselves saying, God, I'm insufficient. God, I need some of that grace of yours right now. Remember how we said that's sort of the word we use instead of mercy? Maybe we need some of that grace. So, God, I need, I need some of your justice. You know, I need help with some of the justice. God, maybe I need some of that love right now to help love. Maybe I need some of that humility. In Philippians 2, right, it's um, got this definition of, of humility. It's fantastic and I want to read it to you for you now. And it's the definition of Jesus' humility. So this is the pinnacle, right? And it's Philippians 2 verse 3. It says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. I challenge you anywhere to find a better definition of humility. And when you read that, I can't really add much more. <laughs> so what I want to do is I want to read it again. Because it's just beautiful. Let me read it again. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather... In humility, value others above yourselves. Self-explanatory, isn't it? Don't think of yourself. 
think of others. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Not do I want, but what do you want, and how can I help you get to that place? And if we're all doing that, then actually we're actually all going to be helping each other get to the place that we ultimately want to get to. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So although he's the most powerful being, the omnipotent, the beginning, the end, he didn't consider that something that he would be using to make himself greater in this world. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, i.e., he even washed people's feet, you know, which was the act of the lowest of the low servants. He didn't, it wasn't even just the, the servant that got to like mount the horses or something. This is the guy that got down in the dirt and actually did it. But it didn't just stop there. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, death on a cross. So the reason we need to reflect humility in our lives today is because at its very core, it is the example displayed for us on the cross. In our lives today, we need to display humility because in its essence, that is the cross reflected. Can you imagine if, right, Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit were sitting up there, wherever they're at, and they said, nah, they're the ones that messed up, they can fix their own situation. You know? Not thinking of them, thinking of, well, we're good, you know, we don't need to fix anything. And I mean, what is it anyway that we bring now? You know, if we think about even our worship, we bring it to God, right? But God's there, and it's only through His humility that it's something that we can bring to Him. Thank goodness that humility is the character of God. It's merciful, and He gave Himself for us. God didn't think less of Himself, but He thought of Himself less. So, just to finalise and sum her up all again, because when we walk with our God, what does, let's just go back to Micah 6, 8, if you can pop that up for me, Chris. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. The question, why do we walk, what, what does it mean to walk humbly with God? It, it means that when we walk humbly with God, it actually displays and reflects our God, who first works, walks humbly before us. Let's just pray. 
God, we thank you for the display of humility that is evident through the cross. We pray that uh, we just continually would reflect on that and that we would be able to uh, just apply that humility to our lives. It's It's a huge call, but we seek to live up to the call. Amen. Now, as Simon said before the service, we're starting Romans by popular demand. Thanks, Annette. (laughs) No, we're doing Romans, which is super exciting. And uh, I just want to remind, because, you know, we had a great worship time, there's been a sermon. There's a night, we got that reading plan. And we really encourage you to get the most out of this sermon series to stay with us in the reading plan. Because what will happen is, as you're reading alongside what we're preaching on, it will all make sense. Because we only have like a a 15, 20, 25 minute slot here to actually talk, right? But if you get to sit in that through the week, if you get to do that, it will actually make so much more of an impact to your life. So really encourage you to actually take that reading plan, really try and make it a commitment for the next nine weeks. And it's going to be fantastic. Fantastic.